mothers. And others. Somewhere in the music industry, between sex, drugs and rock and roll and the wiggles, is the rest of us. Music Mothers and Others is an audio parents group about popular music, a chance to discuss how parenting fits or doesn't into music industry life. During the series, we'll talk to people from across the industry, artists, promoters, techs, broadcasters, writers, academics, teachers, anyone who has a gig in industry, whatever that means. Your hosts are Liz. Hello. And Shelley. Hi, that's me. And we are industry veterans, academics and parents, as well as members of the broader village. Hey Liz, how's it going? I'm good, Shelley. How are you? I am very good on this super special Monday. It's a super special Monday because it is International Women's Day. Is that correct? It is International Women's Day, the day to celebrate women all over the world, including ourselves. Including ourselves. Women, women, non-binary women, all of the people, we're happy to have you all. And this is our introduction for a super special um, episode, best of all of the things of Music Mothers and Others. Is that right? What are we going to call it? Compilation? Is that what we are? I think it's a, a best of compilation featuring some amazing mothers that we've had in our season one of Music Mothers and Others. People that we've talked to that have really shared, I guess, their insights, their, their deep feelings about what it means to be a mother in the music industry and some of the pitfalls and some of the, the roses and chocolates moments of being a mum. What's nice too is that we've also had people that aren't chronological, biological mothers, but people who are part of the village. And I think that that's really important that we acknowledge that too, is that, you know, people are, um, there's lots of ways to contribute to the musical village and the rearing of the next generation. And we're really lucky to have those people with us as well and explain their their experiences, yeah? People like Coco is what I'm thinking of here. Yeah, definitely. Like Coco from Regurgitator's Pogo Go show. She was fantastic. We also had some dads on the show in the series too, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So we had the nation's dad, Dave McCormack, who is, you know, bandit healer from Bluey. (laughs) And then we also had the nation's musical dad, Don Spencer, who, you know, so we've had a few dads or, or cool uncles. You know, we've cool yeah. Well, actually, Chris Carey is a cool uncle, so we'll take him as well. So we've had the village all in there, and I think what in this compilation we wanted to really hone in on not just today and celebrating today, but what we can do better and what we can do next, and that is in every episode, as you know, and we know, and listeners, regular listeners know, we always ask our guests how you would improve the music industry. What would you do to make it more kin-friendly, family-friendly, more inclusive space like that? And so we're including in this in this best of package the responses to that, the recommendations, I guess, that yeah. we can take and forward. And there were some, some amazing recommendations in there, recommendations to help mums who are in the music industry. Like what if you're a breastfeeding mum and you've got to play a gig and, you know, to go on stage in five minutes and you've got a bit of leakage. Like what do you do? Like how, come, how can the music industry support you in that kind of way? Or what if you're a mum that just wants to go to a festival and doesn't actually want to stay there very long? They just want to see the show, have a great time, get out of there because, hey, you know you're going to be waking up six times in the night and you just need to go home to your bed. Yeah, for sure. Or what if you're a young person, you know, and you just want to know that you're welcome. You can be part. Yeah. You can see, you know, we t- when we had Paul and Steph from Something for Kate talking about mm. kids allowed backstage or not. Like, does that mean mum and dad have to stay at home or dad has to stay and mum can go and mum has to stay and dad can't go? and Or can 
kids not come and actually see their parents at work, you know? So we've got yeah. all of that. And that was really important too, wasn't it? Saying how the next generation of musos learn if they're not given access, you know? So yeah. all of that, what can we do next? How can we make it better? is I think really good to celebrate on International Women's Day, but it's also how we can sneakily keep the ladies in there longer. Don't you think, Shell? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the way. And, I mean, International Women's Day, it's like one day out of the year where we start to think properly about the issues that women face. And the music industry, is it's a working environment for a lot of women, isn't it? It's not just, I mean, we, we often say that it's a bloke's realm, um, but actually we want to make the industry um, a place where equity is celebrated, where women's abilities um, are cherished, and where women feel really comfortable working in this environment too. And, you know, the, the students that are studying at uni right now who are wanting to be working in the music industry, particularly the women who are, who are growing up and, you know, they want to see they want to see these models um, in the industry people they can look up to for sure absolutely we'll look on this day too that's it let's hit it and thanks again for all the work thanks for listening you lady people listening non-lady people all of you we love you too so thanks very much thanks for listening to Music Mothers and others happy International Women's Day bye bye Mothers. And others. This is a compilation for International Women's Day. And just so that you know, a lot of what we were recording was done under the cloak of COVID. So you're going to hear babies. You might even hear a mother death stare. Do you reckon we can hear those? I can, I can work out the frequency for that. My ears can pick those up. Yeah. So if you hear anything that doesn't quite sound beautiful, just know that that's okay. Because we're here. We're music mothers and others and we're celebrating yeah. it all. Even the otherness of the sound. Hey. I agree. Enjoy. Our music mothers and others guest is Nadi Simpson. I said the other day to somebody, you know, I've always felt really selfish for being an artist or wanting to write or wanting to be a, um, a musician and trying to have a creative career because it's sort of you, you, you put, you got to put that first. And, you know, on reflection, I've, I think that there, for most of my son's life, I've been doing. Um, creative things and uh, we don't have not that it's about that we don't have a lot to show for it but what we do have I think the kind of in the output of those creative things is that we and he we are highly attuned to other people and I think well if that's the kind of mother I am if I you know, make the mistake of not spending as much time as I feel I should, yet I have a son and, you know, nieces and nephew who are able to be empathetic, sympathetic, um, who are able to relate and are comfortable with all different types of people, then, um, you know, that's a really hard thing to teach. They can, they only understand it by seeing it, you know. So that's the kind of payoff and we all want to be superwoman uh, and we all wish we could do more. But I think we can see those very deep things working in people. and Those things are the things that allow us to not feel so guilty and keep creating. Have you felt a need to, to switch off from work when you're with your family or do you just sort of see it as one big 
blending of the two worlds coming together? I think it's more of a blending. I mean, because a lot of the stuff that I like to create is around culture. So when I'm getting into cultural things, I like, hey, son, listen, what do you think about this and how do you feel about Because I'm actually it's not about the art. It's about our understanding of who we are, you know, and how we fit into things. Um, and it's so sad. I mean, it's beautiful how you described um, being an artist and thinking about being an artist, but it's so sad that we have to think about art as something that's selfish. It's, it's, I just sort of sit there and think you're absolutely right. You're teaching something that can't mm. be taught any other way in some ways. And if you were a corporate banker, mm. you wouldn't see your kids anymore. In fact, you'd see them a lot, a lot, yes, lot less. less. Yeah, exactly. But, but one was so revered and so appreciated mm. and the other's like, what are you lot doing? You know, yeah. get a haircut and a real job, yeah. you know, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, when I thought about that and I thought, oh, gee, you know, you shouldn't be that hard on yourself. But I realised mm. in that thought process the sort of work that I want to do, it's not that I don't want to work, but the work I want to do doesn't seem to be there. And it mm. was only when I realised that, the way that I need to work is a bit of that and a bit of this and a bit of music and some writing and some talking to people. That's really hard work and that suits me. And so now I've got a lot of balls in the air and it satisfies me getting distracted because I've always got something else to get onto and I'm able to work in that way. And I think the selfish part of it, when I said I was being selfish because I couldn't see what I needed to do. So now I'm looking forward actually to not feeling guilty about being creative and seeing what that does to my work and how I interact with people and my family and our happiness. Hello, my friends. My name is Nadi. I'm a Yuluroi woman and a Sango and a Totem and you are tuned in to Music Mothers and Others. So Liz and I are interested in thinking about what changes to the music industry or the way live performance events are held. Um, could you recommend that might make it a bit more pleasurable for an artist or a concert goer or something like that to, to bring your kids along to? Well, I'm lucky to be sort of involved in talks with Indigenous artists all over Australia. And we're sort of, we're having a, um, the same conversation, parallel conversation about how, what do we need for an industry that sort of supports and encourages and um, empowers us as Aboriginal people. Part of the way I interact with that question is that, you know, we need to create it for ourselves because no one's going to do it, you know, that that for for us as Indigenous people saying, you know, maybe the ind- if, if we're asking for all these changes in the industry, maybe it's just set up the wrong way and we need to say our success looks different, um, the 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 drivers are different, the outcomes are different, um, the products, if there are any, are for a different reason. We're starting to talk about well, how what do we need? What do we want? And most importantly, not how do we do it for others, but how do we do it to sustain each other? So um, they're the sort of yarns that we're thinking about now. It's really hard when you've got this big monster of industry that tell you to have product and promote yourself and you know do it this way and actually everyone who can help you do it is actually part of that big machine so and my sister Lucy who's an artist she's a great inspiration to me she is all about um, not quiet as in volume but uh, or small as in scale 
uh, quiet and small in strength. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that doesn't sound right in English, but the strength can also be low volume. The strength can also be in small things because in those moments you are connecting, creating community with other women. So, you know, I'd love to. Let's let's solve all, all those problems right now. But I think women <laughs> know in the way that we are with each other. I love that answer. I think but there's no reason why we can't actually rewrite those rules, which are probably made by uh, male figures in business and who perhaps don't understand um, the needs of, of women performers. She left I the mean, kids at home with, the, with uh, their wives to look after, right? Yeah, that's right. I reckon it's really exciting to think about female music economy because it would be completely different to what is there now. Imagine if, you know, they gave us all the space to dream that up with some toys in the corner and, you know, put on lunch and a lot of coffee. That would be good. That's really exciting for me. Hi, this is Shelley. Hi, this is Liz. If you want to hear more, come and visit us at musicmothersandothers.com. And our guest today on Music Mothers and Others is a 2020 ARIA-nominated, multi-award-winning Australian pianist and composer who creates lyrical, ethereal work that explores the space between classical and jazz genres. Her work has taken her around the world and more recently into bedrooms and playrooms with her lullaby projects, where parenting and musicking have literally come together. Please welcome the beautifully diverse Nat Bosch. Thing we always ask is there's something that you would recommend to the people in charge about how you'd best make it a better family space and it could just be for workers who are parents or it could be to invite kids in like your son or mm. somewhere in between what is there anything you'd recommend uh, some things that immediately stand out to me are um well I guess there's two things one would be just the idea of the matinee but like, you know, in other genres of, of, well, in other art forms, the matinee is a really important part of presenting your work. And maybe you only, you know, maybe one concert of six is during the day, but it's there. And it means that, you know, people who have to travel far or people who are elderly or young families or any, anyone can come and enjoy the art that you've created that's also one in the evenings for normal <laughs> adults or whatever. And, yeah, I feel like music could do a lot with that. I mean, maybe a little bit of it's to do with licensing in venues and stuff, um, particularly perhaps mm. in Sydney. Um, but, yeah, because I've done some daytime concerts with my Lullaby Project. I've actually done concerts where I do a show in the afternoon and then sometimes a show in the evening and it's like have a break, go and have dinner, come back, play the music again. But it, so it's, not, it's not actually too hard to pull off, um, but that would make it hugely inclusive. And it's also great for parents that are musicians because, you know, finding babysitting and stuff in the evening can be really difficult. Um, and, you know, someone, uh, Anna Cordell, who's a her mother and an amazing um, singer-songwriter down here, she recently posted on Facebook about how, you know, there should just be some grants for mothers. <laughs> um, and I thought about that too because, I, you know, I've recently been applying for a grant um, which has um, sort of access costs you can add on top so to support, you know, artists that have a disability or for audiences who might have a disability. You know, on top of the grant, they'll give you a little bit of extra funding to make it accessible and inclusive. And I thought, wouldn't that be great if you were an artist 
and you were a single mother and you could just ask for a little bit of extra funding for something mm. like childcare to happen in the evenings because it's, you can't drop them off at, you know, kinder at nine <laughs> o'clock at night. <laughs> but I feel like that's a huge barrier for, for mothers in particular, um, but all parents who work in the music industry, especially if there's two musicians in the household, like my husband and I, um, you know, you have to have grandparents that live nearby. Otherwise, I think you just have to play tag team and you can never do a gig on the same night. We did some gigs together when my son was quite young. We were both playing for Circus Oz at the time. And yeah, it's good for like one or two nights, but you can't do it um, consistently. So yeah, that would that would make a huge difference. And also because like the income you get from gigs is so minimal, particularly in, in the sort of um, jazz, you know, original rock pop scene in Melbourne, you know, they're often door deal arrangements and stuff. So if you just paid a babysitter to look after your kid from you know, 8pm till midnight, there's all of your income. Yeah. So if there's any way of just providing a buffer to encourage um, parents to keep creating during that time with young children. Do you ever go or have you ever been um, when your son was younger to the PBS Rockabye Baby Music Sessions? No, I've always been intending to go and then never actually made it there. But basically that model is amazing. It needs to happen more often. So I think if every artist thought about doing that maybe once a year, you know, we'd have so many opportunities to do stuff. It would, it would be incredible. Makes a good point too when you say the matinee because it's a, it's a business model that's yeah. there. Yeah, yep. And as we know, I don't know about you, but if you ever try and book a musical or something, the matinees always sell out yeah, first. exactly. Because Nana's organised. <laughs> and the only person who's more organised than Nana yes, is Mum. Yes, exactly. I so. know, it's so funny. And you think about some of those venues where you've got the band room that's attached to the pub. And, you know, the pub is heaving on a Saturday at 2pm and everyone's, you know, watching the AFL game or, um, you know, having beers and a parma for lunch. And it's like, just have the band room open. And yeah, maybe you don't serve alcohol over that side of the venue. That's fine. But, you know, the staffing is there. It's, it's all just, yeah. it's just up and running. It would be so easy. And yeah, all you need to do is organise some pram parking and not serve beers. It's not hard. <laughs> Yep, well, watch this space. Yep. I reckon that Music Mothers and Others is going to make some kind of government petition yes. or we're going to approach um, Creative Victoria oh, or to. some other kind of grant um, grant funding body to make all of these awesome suggestions yeah. that we're getting from our yeah, guests because great. we really would like to take action in some yep. kind of yep. way. We're probably the only ones that will really make it happen. It's got to be a grassroots Yeah, effect, exactly. Doesn't it? And you have, you know, festivals like the Lost Lands Festival, which is just... I went there, I was like, oh gosh, this is amazing. And my husband was playing drums in the Teeny Tiny Stevies at the time. And so they, it was like the first Lost Lands, I think, and they were playing. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to come and watch. And then I was like, wait, this is just the best model ever. <laughs> but just to be able to experience live music like that with your kid, it's so nice to watch them, watch them have that experience. That was, for me, was the joy. Um, you know, and, you know, Sampa the Great just being an absolute queen. And there's my son and he's two and a half and he's watching it. And I was just so, so special, you know, more of that, heaps more of that, not just one weekend in November, but just all the time. (laughs) 
It's, yeah, so it's true. a great idea, isn't it? It's like UMI did at the Annandale when I was very pregnant. They were doing afternoon gigs as well as nighttime gigs. And there was just this collective weeping mm. of young of parents. We say young parents. Oh, I'm going to count myself as a young parent who's got <laughs> yeah, young kids, sure. right? even though I'm not that young. <laughs> but you could just feel people go, oh, thank God. Mm. I get to go home, but I still get to be a grown-up. Yeah. It's so amazing, yeah. you know. Yep. Yeah, and I, I always say to my lullaby audiences at the start, this is just like a normal classical music concert in the sense that I'm going to play um, for 45 minutes at the piano, but the other part of it that's different is that you're here with your kids and they're, they're very welcome to move around the space. You know, you can breastfeed, they can hold a rattle or, you know, just crawl around. Um, the one thing they can't do is touch the piano. That's the only thing that they can't do. And it's amazing how if you trust people with that, they're very able to kind of step up. But it's just kind of just creating just a relaxed space where you can just be there. And if you even if you only really get to enjoy 15 minutes, you know, you went out and you had that experience with your baby and that's great. It's a bit like going to the playground and you just roll the dice, <laughs> whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. How wonderful, Nat. What an absolute joy. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Nat. No worries. If you want to hear more, come and visit us at musicmothersandothers.com. Who is it? Music. Mothers and Others. Our guest today on Music, Mothers and Others is Kate Duncan, the CEO of Australia's premier youth music organisation, The Push. As a Victoria-wide youth music organisation, The Push connects the music industry of today with the music creators, professionals and audiences of tomorrow. It's all about young people and industry. Kate brings a wealth of education about this with qualifications in youth studies and music industry business, as well as prior experience as a youth music development officer at council level, where she's developed a range of award-winning youth music programs, as well as working for the Victorian Government Office for Youth and managing the National Youth Week Grants Program. Her career trajectory speaks for itself. She's absolutely all over music for the kids. Kate Duncan, welcome to Music Mothers and Others. Thank you, Shelley. Hi. Hi, Liz. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, Kate. Thank you for being with us. What changes do you think you can recommend that would make the music industry a more child-friendly and parent-friendly space? So let's think about best practice. I think uh, coming back to what I was saying before, COVID has been the best thing for inclusivity um, for everyone in our sector. Um, being able to particip equally participate via something like a Zoom meeting or just an, an online um, meeting um, means that, you know, you can do that whilst, you know, finishing that and coming out and having time with your child and all, all of those things, I think. Um, and, I, and I hope that once social distancing measures um, are lifted that we continue to do things with that at the forefront of our mind because um, at the push in particular we've seen 
um, a massive spike in participation from young people in regional areas um, and rural areas because of you know, that, as I say, that equalization of participation. And I know um, speaking with the CEO of um, Arts Access Victoria, um, their community has felt like this has been the best thing for them as well. Um, so I think that, you know, as we do move back to more face-to-face events and activities, having that opportunity to still participate via um, other other mediums, I think, is, is integral. Um, I guess the only thing around that is that the thing that I've hated during this time is that people are still scheduled out-of-hours meetings, which I just think is like why you know (laughs) the last thing I want to do after five o'clock after spending all day staring at a screen is stare at a screen again so I think the more things that we can schedule between nine and five in a work context um, I think that's that's really important I guess from an events perspective you know given that I work at the push of course I'm going to say this but but having events that are all ages is is really really uh, it's just an, an obvious um way to ensure that everyone can equally participate and so um so the more yeah events that um happen at a time of the day that um everyone is awake and feeling good um more things like that um the better yeah is the is the actual the the financial accessibility something you've noticed too the fact that we've gone from things that are often ticketed to, you know, contribution or free. Is is that changing accessibility too, do you reckon? Yeah, that's something that I I kind of worry about moving because here in Melbourne um, we're now starting to open back up to live music events again, but they're going to be at reduced capacity. And I do worry about who that means is going to be able to access live music events if those tickets a higher cost because um, because of reduced capacity, um, and live venues have indicated that they will be at a higher a higher price um, forty dollars fifty dollars to see a local band play, and I mean I understand about covering their costs and they'd rather be open and making it happen than remaining shut, and that ticket price is is going towards supporting the live industry and also the staff who work behind the scenes, bar staff, bookers, etc. But yeah, it really does exclude. A particular demographic, doesn't it? Um, and it's people that have lost their jobs or are going to be ending JobKeeper. These are the people who will be, I guess, potentially shut out from live music experiences. Yeah, uh, we've been having that conversation at the push as well around um, also the the artists that will be on stages because um, you know an artist that pre-COVID was charging. $10 for a gig at the old bar cannot suddenly eight months later charge $50. Um, so what's that going to mean about who's on our stages as well? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real concern and, and Shelley, you're right. I think we haven't seen the full impact of what it's going to have on our music community yet as JobKeeper and JobSeeker uh, finish or are reduced. Um, yeah, that disposable income that people once had to to be able to participate and go to live events. Yeah, I, I'm really concerned about what that's going to look like. Well, we hope. Let, let's hope that the good things happen. Maybe the money that people have saved, or a long tail, something, anything. Let's hope so. Music. 
mothers and others. Music, Mothers and Others is written, edited and presented by Liz Giffray and Shelley Brunt. We're made by Sydney's 2 SERFM and heard around the country on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to know more or get in touch with us, come find us at musicmothersandothers.com.